Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. We are glad that you guys are here. Uh, we are going to be continuing our series on measuring up. And in this series, what we're doing is we're taking a look and walking through the book of Malachi. If you're new to the scriptures, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So the last book before Jesus shows up on the scene. And Malachi is a prophet. And a prophet back in those days would speak on behalf of God to God's people. And so in this book, um, Malachi is speaking to God's people on behalf of God. And in this, there are six disputes that God has with Israel. And the reason that these disputes are going on is because Israel, God's people, are a mess. Their hearts are hard. The way that they are living is not the way that God has called them to live. And so because of that, God is pleading with them on their behalf, showing them some of the errors of their ways and asking them to come back. And so today, we are going to look at dispute number five in this area. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 6. And again, this is dispute number five out of six. And just so everyone knows as we get into this, this is on giving and money, and you'll see that here in a second. But my hope is this, that this sermon is not a sermon that you will come through and think, here's another sermon on giving, but here's a sermon about God desiring our heart and for us to return to him. So let's go to the scriptures and see what the Lord has to say in Malachi, verse 3, 6 through 12. Verse 6 says this, Because I, the Lord, have not changed, you descendants of Jacob have not been destroyed. Since the days of your ancestors, you have turned from my statutes or my commands. You have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of armies. Yet you ask, how can we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. How are we robbing you, you ask? By not making payments of the tenth and the contributions. You are suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse, so that there may be, there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour a blessing for you without measure. I will rebuke and devour the devourer for you so that it will not ruin your produce of your land. The vines of your field will not fail to produce fruit, says the Lord of armies. Then all the nations will consider you fortunate and you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of armies. Now each week through this series, Daniel has put together a slide to kind of simplify these disputes. And that's been really helpful, especially with that verse of Scripture and how, even how I stumbled through it there a little bit. This, this, this will be helpful for us. So here's, here's a slide for us to kind of talk through the dispute that Israel, God's people, are having with God. It says this, God says, return to me. Israel says, how? God says, by not robbing me. And Israel says, how are we robbing you? God says, by not giving your tithes and offerings. And then says, if you simply did it, you would be blessed more than you know. Now before we get into the dispute itself, I'd like to pause and focus on verse 6. 
And verse 6 kind of sets the tone for returning to God, and it says this. It talks about how God does not change, that how God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it's to our benefit that he does not change because we as people are very fickle. We change a lot. We put our hope in things that eventually let us down. We try to find our purpose and what drives us in other things other than God, and eventually we, we realize that it's not enough. Yet God stays the same. As I was preparing for this message this week, uh, I was thinking back through some of the ways in my life that I've been a little bit fickle, some of the things that I've tried to find identity in, and one of those times that came back to my mind was when I was in middle school. Now, I think all of us can remember, most of us, if you're there, being in middle school, and middle school is a time where you really are searching for identity, trying to figure out who you are, what you want to do, what interests you want to have, and when I was in middle school, I, li I lived on the west side of Indianapolis. And at that time, one of the popular things in my middle school was that people were forming rap groups. <laughs> this was the time of Wu-Tang Clan, uh, Cash Money Millionaires, No Limit. All of these rap groups were real popular in the secular world, so everyone was forming these rap groups. And during the classes that you didn't have a whole lot to do is when you would write your raps. And they'd form these groups, and they all had names that they would assign themselves. And this is my rap name. Well, I knew that that was a, a lane that I could not swim in. Um, and, but I still wanted to be a part of what was going on. These people were forming groups. I wanted to be a part of it. So instead, I decided that I was going to form an R&B group. Because for me, I felt like that was more my lane. You may look at this and laugh at that, but in that time, that's where I really thought I would swim, and I was going to form this R&B group. And so I told my buddies, I said, I'm going to write this R&B song during uh, my health class. That was the class that, sorry, health teachers, I had some extra time, and so that's where I was <laughs> going to write my first R&B love song. And so as a seventh grader, I pinned out this R&B love song and went to go share it with my buddies at lunch. And let's just say my dream of being an R&B artist died right there at that seventh grade lunch table. The identity and the hope that I wanted to find in writing music, I was going to be the next baby face to come out of Indianapolis, did not come true. And thank you for my friends who still remind me of that song that I wrote and how poor it was. But I think all of us can remember a time, maybe it was even more recent than that, where we have tried to find our identity in something other than who God is. And for us to pause and remember that he does not change, that it is for our benefit to find our purpose, our identity, our rest, the peace that we long for, that we find that in him. And when we begin to find that and rest in that, for his glory, then are we really able to flourish as he has created us to flourish. When we return to him, just like he's asking God's people then to return to him, he's inviting us to the same things to return to him. Now, let's get into a little bit. Well, before we get there, there's this one part I forgot. Let me get back to it. So uh, is everyone familiar with the, with the Jesus Storybook Bible? So it's a Bible that we give out here to our children a lot. And the beautiful thing about this Bible is at the end of every story, or in the midst of every story, there's this uh, phrase that describes God's love. And it's a good, my, my kids at this point can kind of recite it back to me when we read it, but it's also good for us as adults to remember this. 
the author describes God's love, his, his consistency like this. His love is a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Let me just read that one more time. A never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. That is the love of our Father. That is the love of the Father that never changes. And that's what we're invited into to experience and to rest in. So let's talk a little bit about how we can rest in that, how we can return to him and what God is inviting his people to here. In this particular dispute, he is inviting them to return. He said they're robbing them because they're not giving their tithes and offerings. And if this is something that you're not familiar with, um, if you're new to church, what's a tithe, what's an offering? What that is, excuse me here real quick. <clears throat> a tithe is giving a tenth of your income to the temple or to the church. Now this was something that God set up for the nation of Israel as they were establishing themselves as a nation. So they exited Egypt, and so God was helping them to set up some systems that was going to help them flourish and look different than the people that were around them. So as they were doing this, gave them laws, gave them different statutes to follow, and one of them was the tithe. And again, it was to give a tenth of everything that they brought into the temple as a way to give back to God. Now, what did that go for? We read here. That gave money for the priests and the Levites to be able to, to provide for their family. Because in this system, the priests and the Levites didn't have land of their own that they could produce a crop from. They had no other way of procuring income because their job was to make sure that the house of the Lord was in order and was taken care of. And so when the rest of the community would give a tenth of what they had, it provided for the priests and the Levites. It also made sure that the temple was taken care of, that the upkeep was able to happen, that the, that the sacrifices that needed to be made could be done. And so because of that, first of all, it started with a tent originally. And as the Israelites traveled around the desert, they had this tent they called the tabernacle that they would set up, and they'd set it up, and, and they'd worship, and then they'd move, and they'd tear it down, put it back up again. And so some of that money went to help with that. But then when Solomon built the temple, then it went to make sure that the temple, the house, the place where God dwelt, was taken care of. And what we realize here in Malachi, several hundred years later, is that they have started to ignore this practice. That this is not something that has been put into place. And because of that, we start to see that the temple is starting to fall apart. And so God is calling them back to give and back to this practice. Now, this is a practice that we here at Calvary encourage all followers of Jesus to participate in as well. For a lot of the same reasons. Again, for me, for Daniel, for other people here on staff, your tithes and your offerings help pay our salary. It also helps to maintain this building, whether it's to add on, whether it's to make sure that the roof doesn't leak, whether it's to make sure that the carpets are cleaned after VBS, make sure that we are good stewards of this building. We're able to use your tithes and your offerings, our tithes and our offerings, to make sure that that happens. 
But we understand that sometimes if, if giving is not something that you've been accustomed to, if it's not been a regular practice, that going to 10% might be a pretty big jump. And just like most things when it comes to formation with Jesus, um, it's a process. It's something that we grow into. And so we want to help you and give you a pathway to grow in this when it comes to your giving. And so we have a thing that we talk about called the giving ladder. And this is real simple. Um, I don't think we came up with it, but for us it just made sense as a stair-step way of, of increasing your giving. So the first thing we do, if you've never given anything to the church before, we would encourage you to start to give something. Just give something. Maybe it's the last $2 you have in your wallet. Don't go to the concession stand at the kids' game today. Just give those $2 and put those in the buckets in the back on your way out. Just give something. Once you've started to give something, maybe that's something you've done, now start to give regularly. So every week when you come, Make sure that you give regularly. Whatever that is, whatever God has blessed you with, just begin to give regularly. Maybe you've done that. So then the next step is start to give a percentage. Now that you've done that, you start to give regularly, find a percentage that you feel like, okay, this is a healthy thing. As I've started to grow in my giving, now I can start to set aside a percentage to give. Next, start to increase that percentage. And then finally, be able to give generously. This is something that we encourage everyone to do and understand that it is a practice to grow into. But as we read here in Scripture, as we give what God has asked us to give, then his blessing is bigger than we can even imagine. Now, this is something, too, that as a church, we try to model and to be obedient in as well. So just so you guys know, we talk about this in Discovering Calvary. If you haven't been to Discovering Calvary, it's our um, class that you kind of get to know a little bit more about the church, what our heartbeat is. The next one's going to be on July 10th. I think it's actually in the bulletin. Um, but it's a chance for you to come um, to learn more about Calvary um, and be able to, to understand a little bit of behind the scenes. So I'm going to share a little bit of, of that with you here now. So we give a tenth of everything that we bring in as a church back out to missions. So yes, our tithes and offerings do go to paying the church staff. They do go to maintaining this building, building and maintaining our property. They do go through allowing us to be able to help send our kids to camp. They allow, go to help put VBS on. All of the things and the programs that we regularly run here, the your, our tithes and our offerings go to that. But also 10% of them go to missions. And we have a wall right out here that shows all of the missionaries that we give to. And so 10% of everything that we bring in goes to those missionaries and to community work here in our area, which we love and are so thankful. That's what we're most excited about. And to just give credit to God in this, as we have made this a common practice for us here at Calvary, as we have given 10% away, our finances here at the church have never been healthier. Every year we have been able to increase the budget. And you know what's exciting to us about increasing the budget? Is that we're now able to give more money away. We're able to support more missionaries. We're able to give more money to those who need it because you guys and all of us have been faithful in giving. And as we've been faithful to not just keep it for ourselves, to do what we want to do here, but do what God has asked us to do and give a tenth back to his kingdom, out to missionaries, our finances, just as he has promised in the scriptures here, have never been healthier. 
And we invite you guys into the same thing, if this is not a practice in your life. To give a tenth of your income to the kingdom of God and watch how he will bless you. Again, when it comes to this idea of giving, when it comes to this idea of the tenth, of the tithe, when we even talk about the giving ladder, the reason we feel like this is something that you can grow into is because the amount that you give is not the point. Giving, even in and of itself, is not the point. The point is your heart. And that's what God's really getting at here when he's talking to God's people and also talking to us today. Is he's concerned about our heart. And if we are going to trust him with the things that he has entrusted to us, with our gifts, our talents, our abilities, and our money, are we going to trust him with those things and ultimately obey his command? It's interesting, in verse 10 there, he says, test me. Test me in this. Give a tenth. Watch how I will bless you. And test me in this. This is the only time in Scripture where God says to test him. And so that's our encouragement. Test him with it. Test him. Start to give back to the kingdom and watch how he provides for you, blesses you. Test him in it. And as you test him in that, you will be able to, what the results of that is going to be a heart that trusts him more. And ultimately, that is what God is most concerned with, is for us to trust him with our hearts. And then ultimately, obey his commands. Now, I've got three kids. One's nine, one is seven, and one is four and a half. And that four and a half is very important. She will correct you if you say she's four. And this four and a half year old and seven year old and nine year old, they are starting to, they're, they're getting bigger. They're growing. But maybe you are around kids in this age, or maybe a kid's a little bit older, but they think that they need more responsibility and more freedom. Well, I'm nine. I should be able to do X, Y, and Z, right? What, and what, what we have tried to instruct them is what comes with more responsibility, what comes with more freedom is when we can trust you and when you obey what we've asked you to do. The more that you obey, the more that we can trust you, the more freedom is going to come your direction, the more responsibility. And the same is true in our walk with Jesus. When we, are able, when we learn to trust him more and when we obey his commands, the amount of freedom and blessing that is available will increase. And this is an idea that we see a lot through the Old Testament. If you read through the Old Testament, you'll see a lot of people that, will, that specifically like David and Solomon before things went south with Solomon. They were men who obeyed God. They kept his commands. And as you read through the Old Testament, you see it is clearly in there. They obeyed the commands of God and God blessed them. As you read through the Kings, if you read through First and Second Kings, you'll read this arc of kings that obeyed God's command and things in Israel went really well. Then you read kings who didn't and things went very poorly. And it's this roller coaster up and down of this idea that as followers of Jesus, if we are going to be who God has created us to be, it is important for us to obey his commands. And this is a theme all throughout the Bible that Jesus picks up. 
And so I think it's important for us to see what Jesus has to say when it comes to obedience. Because again, for us, obedience is not something that we like to talk about. It's not something that we like to submit to. But I think it's important for us to see what Jesus says on the topic. So in John chapter 14, verse 15, it says this. If you love me, you will keep my commands. I think a lot of us, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we will say that we love Jesus, that we love God. One of the primary ways that we can show that we love God is by obeying what he's asked us to do, by living by his statutes, as he said in Malachi. Luke 11:28. Let me give us a little bit of context for this. So in this, Jesus is teaching in the temple and does this great teaching. And everyone's amazed because he's so wise and so smart in the way that he's teaching with the authority that he's teaching with. Finally, after he's done teaching, a lady stands up and says, Blessed is the mother who bore you. How great must she be that she bore a child that is as wise and such a good teacher that you are. And this is Jesus' response to that. Rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. How many for us is that a reality? That we hear the word of God, but keeping it and obeying it is difficult for us. It's important. Jesus wants us to obey the word, not just hear it. And finally, 1 John Chapter 5, verse 2 and 3 says this. This is how we know that we love God's children. We love each other. When we love God and obey his commands. For this is what the love of God is, to keep his commands. So the way that we not only love God, but that we love each other is by keeping his commands, by being obedient. So this is a theme that we see starting in the Old Testament, going through the teachings of Jesus, and even in the letters that we see circulating around the New Testament church. This idea of keeping God's commands is extremely important. When we begin to keep this commandment, when we return to him and return with our tithes and our offerings and we're faithful to that, when we trust him with our heart and start to obey his commandments, we start to experience what he has for us. Now, a lot of times when I've, I've talked about this, when we've talked about money, and we don't talk about money a lot around here, but we, what, we are, what we do do is that we make sure that when we go through a series, when we're reading through a book, that we're faithful to what's there. And so as we went through Malachi, this is one of the disputes. It's talked about money. So we want to be faithful to talk about it. And when I've talked about this before, I hear a lot of people say, well, that's Old Testament teaching. The tithe is the old system that they had set up in the Old Testament. We're after Jesus. We want to live like the New Testament church. That's fair point. The New Testament church... What they did is they compiled everything that they had and distributed to each other equally so no one had need. So, I mean, we could go to Chase Bank over here, open up an account, and have all of our direct deposits go to one area. And then we could divide it out from there. I think that would be an even larger step of faith for us to take if we can be honest with ourselves. So for us to take a tenth, and be faithful to giving it back to God. Not because God needs anything, 
Because again, God has everything that he needs. It's not that we need to give back to him because he doesn't have enough. It's giving back to him because we are showing him in that we are willing to obey and that we trust him with our heart. And the last thing I'll say is this, just so we clear the air with everything. This is not a health and wealth sermon. That if you give your 10%, you are going to get 200% on that 10% investment. Let's just clear that up real quick. But what I am saying is this, and what I think God's word is teaching us is that when we start to align our heart with God, as we go through this transformation process in our giving, as we grow in that, our desires start to shift. The things that really do bless us are not just the money that we have in our bank accounts, but seeing how God is choosing to use us for his glory and in his kingdom. And as we start to relinquish our control on the things that we love and care about the most, i.e. our money, as we start to lighten that grip, we experience the joy, the freedom, and the blessing that God promises. So that investment that we make into the kingdom, yes, it is a 200% reward, not necessarily monetarily, but in how we experience the love and the heart of the Father when we trust him and when we obey his commands. So that leads us today to our daily training. Our daily training is this, something to put into practice. Return to God by trusting and obeying his commands. First and foremost, let's return to him by trusting and obeying in his commands, by investing back into his kingdom, by doing what he has asked us to do, to be faithful with giving back to him, not robbing him of the blessing that he wants to give us. So maybe today, in this week, we can start to take steps into trusting him more and to be more obedient to what he has called us to do as followers of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for today. And Father, we thank you for your patience with us. We thankful, we're thankful that you were patient with the Israelites. We see that way back in the book of Malachi, Lord, and we are thankful that you are patient with us today. Because God, we are a fickle people. We are people who are looking for identity in all sorts of places, Lord, and you are begging us, calling us back to return to you to find our hope in the rock, in the steady place that you are. And so, Father, I pray that we would return to you, that we would be a people who find our hope, that find our peace, that find our rest, that find our joy in you, in you alone. And, Father, I also pray that we would trust you with the things that you have entrusted to us, our family, our talents, our gifts, our businesses, our money, Lord, that we would trust you with that and, and, and do what you have asked us to do, to give a portion of that back so that you can continue to expand your kingdom and that we get to be a, pro a part of that process. Thank you for the hope in that and thank you for your promises. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.